Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This Super Bowl feels different, and it's not just due to the fresh quarterback matchup that we'll have in a couple of weeks. Outkick 360 rolls on. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network. Uh, if you're listening to Somo Sports Radio in Missouri, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence, Alabama, Huntsville, we say hello and good afternoon to you. And, of course, uh, across the Upper Cumberland, on Sports Radio 104.7, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We're at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Guys, so in thinking about this and, and the matchups that we're going to see uh, between the Bengals and the Rams, it got me thinking, and we discussed this a bit last night on, on News Channel 5 here locally, and I'm going to get your take. So if the Bengals win, are they, the Vegas, are they in the top two teams? Are they the Vegas favorite on Monday the 14th to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Last year with the Bucks, absolutely. They win, and you know they're the betting favorite going into the next year, at least in the top two, because the Chiefs will also be there, and they were there the year prior. I only bring this up because of expectations. If the Bengals win the Super Bowl, how does that affect their expectations for the following year where I've been among those saying, I feel as though they're a year ahead. So if they're a year ahead and they win the title, how can they not be among the favorites to win? When I say among the favorites, the AFC and the NFC, top two teams to repeat. I think if the Rams win, they're right there. The, the Vegas will have them, based on their roster and their superstructure and their quarterback, of repeating, trying to get the sports betters to you know either take the bait or not. But I don't feel the same way about Cincy. No, because they... The Chief, I mean, look at the AFC first, yep. and then look at how Vegas always tends to lead towards Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think they should be the Vegas favorites based on merit of their youth. They just did it and what they have coming back. But they'll be fourth in line behind Chiefs, Bills, Rams, is my guess. That sounds about right. I, I because I still the think that there is a... A line of thinking that with that great game we saw in the divisional round, that was still the real AFC championship game, even though Cincinnati went to Arrowhead the next week and won in overtime. I still think people believe, ultimately, Bills, Chiefs, the real AFC matchup of the future. Also, the things that they will do to make themselves better won't be particularly sexy. They'd be drafting 32nd, the odds on pick at 32nd, depending on what's there, would be an offensive lineman, not a particularly sexy pick that's going to probably shift odds, right? Uh, they probably have two offensive linemen in their draft class. If they're involved in free agency, what's the first thing you would think that they need? Offensive line. I mean, their overhaul position. Yeah, but it's not about the draft. Would I be mean, offensive linemen. The Rams don't even draft. No, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, in the things that would shift odds during the offseason, um, well, for, they, for them, it would the Rams. It would just be keeping Bengals, your roster together. Bengals would be like, what do you, you know, the thing that would shift their odds between 
the end of winning the Super Bowl and the beginning well, of next can, season could be roster adjustments, and the roster adjustment isn't sexy. Well, they can extremely uh, help their odds, though, in free agency. I mean, they, that's where – I mean, their offensive line issues are why you wouldn't project them to be at the top. So, for me, if they improve their offensive line, that increases their odds of repeating, not – keeping them where they are. At least that's how I would view it. And it doesn't have to be through the draft. They have among the most money to spend in free agency this coming offseason based on projections. Here's the other thing I would I would ask, kind of building upon what you're doing. Um, and I, I write this the Monday after the season every year, comparing the Titans to the Super Bowl champ. You know, how close are they? And in a copycat league, what's to be learned? In a copycat league, what's to be learned from the Bengals? The, the first thing you would say is have a great quarterback with great chemistry with his top receiver, which isn't an easy thing to go out and duplicate. <laughs> we know, right? It what is, else? It is have, a, he, have a young, uh, a young coach uh, with uh, energy really, who puts him up. It's not an easy team to copy. It's really not that hard if you draft Ohio State or Alabama's quarterback with the amount of first and second round receivers on those teams. I mean, if you go to the quarterback and say, what receiver do you want from your college team? You could replicate that. There are plenty of Alabama receivers going in the first, second, third round of a draft where you could get an Alabama quarterback and you could get, you know, eventually if you want to go get Bryce Young a year from now, and then if you already have Jamison Williams on your roster, you could pair the two up. I'm they also saying did it's, it not, in Philadelphia. it's not impossible. They also it's, did it in Philadelphia and they didn't have any great returns but it's the, on it in their rookie year. It's the sum of their parts, though, that you, that you would try to follow. Like, it's not just about Jamar Chase. They have a legitimate top three receivers on top of a very capable tight end. I mean, Boyd is their third receiver, and he has like 50 catches for over 800, 800 yards. yards. That's that's a third receiver in their offense. It's weapons. It's you know, weapons. The, the third receiver for the Titans has like 30 catches. Yeah, It's playmakers, so that's yeah. not unique to Cincinnati. That's the trend of the league. Stack playmakers. But, that's, but it starts they, – they've got a legitimate – Superstar wideout and Jamar Chase that goes unsaid, and every team would want that guy. A one B, but they've got the the rotational depth at that position where they're not. They can feed him the football, but they're not always dependent on. Okay, can Jamar Chase have another one hundred yard day and and you know help us move the sticks and come up with those miraculous catches? Because they've got Higgins, who's now more than capable of being the solid number two and emerged as the guy. And there were stretches where Burrow was treating him like a number one yesterday. in November. And uh, yes, yeah, yesterday's a prime example. And then Boyd is just very consistent game in and game out. And then they're also extremely patient. And to me, that I, I felt as though like this September, early October, this was an offense that was about the run game. And I, I'm viewing a lot of that from the 30,000 foot view. But a lot of it went through Joe Mixon, and now it goes through those three wideouts. And there, there's been a, a swap in um, how they go about producing yardage and points. And albeit it hasn't been a ton of points in the postseason, we, we know this offense is extremely explosive, and they capitalize on it. And then they, you know, when, when things go south, they've got a kicker who's going to make every kick you send out there with them. So... Here's a big question I had watching the celebration yesterday and, and Mike Brown on the stage accepting the Lamar Hunt trophy. Can Cincinnati go from bad organization to great organization without a change in ownership family? Because what is the knock on Cincinnati run by Mike Brown? Cheap. 
They're cheap. They're not going to do things in a first-class way. Doesn't matter when you got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and you got defenses playing like rookie this. Contracts. You got good coaching. You got rookie contracts. But to stay, how do they become the Pittsburgh Steelers, in other words? Unless the team well, is sold. It's not Pittsburgh. It's how do they become Kansas City? Yes. Right. But even and I know you can't erase history. I'm just saying from a perception standpoint, when they go out and try to attract free agents, if the money is similar between Cincinnati and other and I'm not even calling them blue blood organizations, just organizations where you feel like ownership is really competent, sound, they're gonna spend money, things are gonna be done in a first class way, versus the bungles of the past. When do they go when do they revert back to that? Even with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's gonna be fine. And they're gonna be fine as long as he's the quarterback. But you're not going to be able to sustain unless you can go get the occasional free agent's gonna pick you over one of the big boys in the NFL. And to do that, you have to have the perception from people around the league that you're not cheap. How does that happen without that ownership family changing hands? Well, I think it's, and can it, it's and not going to change hands. Maybe they do change. I it's don't know. It's not going to change hands. But I, I think it's uh, – is Katie Blackburn related to the family? Because she she's uh, she's in power there. I think she might be related to the family. Um, she's in power there? Yeah, she's like the, the high-ranking vice president. Um, so she'll take you know, a Mike Brown like is Mike 86 Brown's, years old. She's Mike Brown's right-hand man. Okay. She might be a daughter-in-law is, is what okay. I'm thinking. I have to look at that. I'll find it. Um, I, to your point, I think people will go there to play with Joe Burrow, but are they smart enough to see, like, with Joe, Joe Burrow, we need an indoor practice facility. I think they're the only team in the country probably that doesn't have one which is crazy i don't know if they've upgraded the towels you know they didn't have plush towels and that was an issue you know now i say guys will go where they're paid the most and generally that is the default but we're going to have the perfect guest to answer these questions on thursday when willie anderson who we had before the hall of fame vote uh who's a finalist this year returns to join us to talk about the bengals and we didn't have much of a chance in that conversation to talk with him about the Bengals. We'll talk all about the Bengals with him, with one of the all-time great Bengals. Katie, Katie Blackburn is Mike Brown's daughter. She's 56 years old, obviously the Brown, her maiden name. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's the first-ever female on the NFL competition committee as of this year. But she is the one in line. She's executive vice president, co-owner of the Bengals. So she will be the one See, taking over for Mike Brown. My perception is, and I haven't looked, Super closely. Paul this. Brown's I was looking. I was looking her up last night when I saw her on stage, thinking about um, her her power, etc. I feel like she taking on more power and Tobin taking on more power is part of what's been good. Mike Brown at eighty nine. Did you say? Certainly eighty six. Certainly has his hand, just by the very nature of your age, right? You you have to be handing off some stuff. And they've been a more legitimate organization in some way, shape, and form. I mean, they did all right during Marvin Lewis for a stretch. They suck sometimes. But, um, I Didn't mean, they go to the playoffs six straight years yeah. with Marvin Lewis? I mean, have they been generally uh, – remind me, before Burrow, were they horrible for a long stretch? I know they bottomed out to get Burrow, but were they horrible for a long stretch I before mean, they that? Were- I mean, they weren't make they weren't winning playoff games. We know that. I know, yeah. but they weren't the Jags or the Jets. Their reputation either. is horrible. Yeah, their reputation. That's what I mean by this. Time. Their reputation has always been horrible. Yeah, 
I can't recall a time where that was a, a an organization that was some sort of beacon oh, of light. No, never the beacon other of light. NFL but how about how about winning wise? It's been a while since they were mentioned as like the Jags or the Jets, like the bottom of the well, league. I think when your best is getting to the playoffs and, and not winning a game, when that's your ceiling, you're an awful organization. Those well, are the awful organizations. But awful to me sounds like the worst. And the Lions are the worst. The okay, Jags but that's the, the Lions. Worst. They got to the playoffs and lost. They didn't do it six straight years, but I'm not saying they're as bad as the Lions, but they're in that group from a reputation standpoint. I would I would say, Paul, they're they're an organization traditionally over the last, you know, couple a few decades, you think they're getting somewhere between four and seven wins a season. And if and on the seventeen game schedule, and if you bet that you're if that range is what, what you're going to hit on, right? I, I my my feeling is Blackburn and Tobin have them in a better place. Now, will they invest in the kind of things that, this puts them at a good crossroad? Right? They're going to a Super Bowl. They've got an ace quarterback. You know, if this doesn't propel them to do things like build an indoor facility and stuff. You know, it's kind of a, hey, do you want to go back to, do you want this to be a one-shot deal? Or do you want to get, like, use this as a catapult? Well, that's going to be on uh, Katie Blackburn. Her husband, Troy Blackburn, is also a vice president of the Bengals. So works in the organization as well. So it seems like it's going to be passed down to well daughter and son-in-law as a married couple running the organization. This, this has a feel, and it's not nearly to the same extent, but this has a feel of the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron. They've got that guy in Joe Burrow who's back home in Ohio, uh, the one of the you know the the basement dwellers of the NBA. The Cleveland Cavs end up with the hometown guy. I like that comparison. And you know he go, he takes them on this magical run, and potentially it starts by getting them back uh, to the postseason where they you know the first trip to the postseason didn't end well, but then you build up and you build around your superstar. And in the NFL, it's got to be the quarterback. And they've got the guy, you know, and the, the guy that grew up two and a half hours from Cincinnati and Paul Brown Stadium. So I don't know how you don't invest in that. And frankly, uh, you know, I don't want to overstate. We all understand you know, sports has its place, but we also know what it can do for a city. And if this goes the course it could go, it doesn't just do a lot for the Bengals. It does a lot for Cincinnati. Yes, for sure. Uh, then, then also because look at Cleveland, it. look at how Cleveland changed over the LeBron two Two times, believe I mean, it turned from lot. Cleveland to believe. Well, he, I mean, he, it was the biggest economic driver for downtown Cleveland's facelift, were Cavs games uh, yep. and and what they did around the arena. So and downtown Cleveland, yeah, it's, I mean, good. it's different when you've got you know forty one home dates as opposed to uh, eight or nine uh, over the course of a season. But yeah, I think it does change the perception of a city big time. And I, I look at Kansas City that way a little bit with Chiefs' recent success. And now going to you know going to four straight AFC championship games, uh, it, it'll it'll be a big help. I, I'm just I was thinking about that watching Mike Brown on the podium and thinking, Joe Burrow did this, they did this. I wonder when it's going to get to the point where Cincinnati has a different rep across the league and how long that takes. But Paul, I, I do want to, and I don't disagree with you. It's ludicrous that they don't have an indoor practice facility, but having all the bells and whistles doesn't mean that you sustain where you are. Agree, agree. Look at Dallas. Dallas, can I would, can, they, can they add anything else? I mean, they have everything. No, but Dallas and, and now has... We, I, I, I read the troll tweet about the Cleveland, or excuse me, Cincinnati has as many 
playoff wins this year as Dallas does over the last 25. Dallas has, though, the constant media attention, which is part of it. Oh, yeah. So I've asked this question. We talked about this once or twice here being based in Nashville Stadium, you know, a mile from here. Um, If the Titans won a Super Bowl in any of this stretch, we've said, like, the national media would come here for the parade and it would come here for OTAs and it would come here for opening day. And then uh, my suspicion is, and I think you guys agree with me, it would return to normal like by the end of September. I well, think for Cincinnati, it'll be the same thing. Maybe a little different no, because of Burrow. It, it's going to be very different because of Burrow. Yeah. All right, so they win the Super Bowl. I think Burrow Bowl. makes the, the complete difference. They win the Super Bowl. Are there national people at every game yes. next year? Yes, well, and if they win the drain. Super Bowl, they are the Kansas City Chiefs of two or three years ago, right after Mahomes beat the 49ers in the they're, Super they're Bowl. They're maxing out on their national television exposure next year. Well, that, yeah, that, that's no doubt. I think the Titans would do that too. But in terms of drawing ESPN, NFL Network people every week, I don't think the Titans would have done that. Uh, maybe not. But the that, Titans the aren't Bengals doing will. that because they got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Okay. Again, well, I think if they've got a have. second, third year stud quarterback, quarterback that's they do it that has a personality like Joe Burrow who by the way Joe Burrow is about to be a huge commercial star yeah. after this season then yeah it, it would happen that that's the difference is Burrow Tannehill <laughs> that's but, that's the so national if you have the media. quarterback you win a Super quarterback Bowl, is the driver happens. Hutton with a great example of uh, LeBron James LeBron James is the driver for any interest nationally right. in the Cleveland but, I mean, Cavs. he's other, otherworldly Joe Burrow is in a category now of otherworldly he is a top five quarterback. He is stepping into that realm. And if you're a top five quarterback in the NFL, to me, that's otherworldly. That, that's, the, that's the separating factor of relevant all the time or relevant the season after you have a lot of success. Well, that changes things for Cincinnati even quicker than I'm saying because they're on TV that much yeah. more. And that's another example of you them being a year ahead from what expectations would have been, right? But if you're live on SportsCenter, if you're live broad, yeah. a newscast well, from NFL Network – Every single week, that changes the face of your city a lot but, faster than I'm talking about. No doubt, but think about their matchups too. Four, at least, you know, oh, yeah. your, your, four of their games are going to be against Baltimore or Pittsburgh. And, and Cleveland and, as a football and Cleveland city. Too. Yeah, is so a big, I mean, you're going you're to cover those Dog games pound, nationally anyway, especially if the defending champ is on the road to Pittsburgh, on the road to Baltimore. Things are going to change that. fast. If they win this game. Things are changing out in Vegas uh, with the expectation today they would make this official, and they have. Josh McDaniels is the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll give you details on that. What's Jim Harbaugh up to, and what does Armando Salguero think? What's he being told about what Harbaugh's actually trying to make happen by talking with the Vikings? All of that and much more next on OutKick 360. Let's make it official. Josh McDaniels is the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. That press conference ongoing right now. And one of the quotes uh, just right out of the gate from McDaniels was, he's like, look, maybe I've, he said, I have been very selective on where my next job could possibly be, acknowledging that he's had other opportunities and he either declined to go interview or he got cold feet, alluding to what happened in, in Indianapolis. But he adds in, he was like, I'm looking for the perfect spot of where everything can come together the way I envision things. He has not been a head coach since 2010. It feels like it was five years ago, at least to me. And it's been well over a decade 
when you look back on where he's been and, and what he's been doing, which is just offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. Now he's the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Reports are out from, from those that cover the Raiders who say that the GM, um, Dave Ziegler, who was, of course, with, uh, with McDaniels in New England as one of the top personnel guys there, he's now the new general manager for Vegas, that both McDaniels and Ziegler like Derek Carr. That's a very easy thing to say when you know that Derek Carr is on the final year of his current contract, which was a big bump up in pay for him on that contract extension. They've got a year to assess where they are with him, and if they really like him and they're, they come to a, a contract you know, disagreement, they can go the way of Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. You place the franchise tag on him and have him prove it. And if not, well... This year isn't to what Paul was saying. You're not at the top of the draft picking the go-to quarterback. But a year from now, you you know, you know can maneuver and make it happen. And if not, free agency and other things allow you to do some, some, some things right now. They could also do a similar trade of what uh, happened with Goff and Stafford. Is Carr available on the final year of his deal? Don't know. But options are open. It makes sense that you would say, yeah, I re- really like the skill set of what Carr can do offensively. And if there's going to be an offensive coordinator that can get something going with that offense that wasn't broken, by the way, this year, um, just very sporadic, either a boatload of points or very close games, and most of the time it was a very close game, um, I think McDaniels is a nice fit there for, for the way that offense is built. Can they, can they take the Raiders to that, that next level? That's what he's going to be tasked to do. And McDaniels uh, paired with the general manager, Paul, it makes me think that it's – a similar setup to the Gruden and, uh, and and what we saw with Mayock, where the head coach has a lot of say in all this more than the general manager. And I, they haven't announced that, but I don't know why McDaniels would take a, a job where he's not going to have the final say on the roster and everything that goes on with football. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it seems to make sense. Sounds like a nice pairing, all of that. I need to see it and believe, to believe it with McDaniels. Yep. You know, the presumption is he's grown a lot and learned a lot since his time in Denver. But he made bad choices in, in Denver. I mean, he very quickly got rid of Jay Cutler, who was a superior option to Tim Tebow, who he drafted, uh, you know, 24th, somewhere in the mid-20s. Right up was, to get him. Who was an inferior uh, player to Jay Cutler. Um, so there's a big presumption of, of him being a better head coach. I don't doubt that he's better at the offensive things that, that he has brought to the Patriots and that he did well with Mac Jones this year and all of that. How it translates to him as a head coach is, is what I'm curious about. I, uh, I tweeted um, yesterday during the games before this had become uh, final, I think, that the, the remaining openings, I don't understand. I, it would be wise to interview Rich Basaccia. I think the Jaguars are doing some crazy stuff now. Kevin O'Connell, they're interested in, who they can't talk to for two weeks because if you don't talk to one of the coaches, he's a coordinator for the Rams, but if you hadn't talked to him in the first window, you're not allowed to talk to him in this window. So they can't talk to him until after the Super Bowl's over. But they are going to talk to Basaccia, which I think is, is smart. I don't know what they're doing, yeah. um, but and here it's it's not just taking their time. It's that they're now moving on to O'Connell, and they didn't have him in through the first wave of interviews. Just don't because they felt as though they were going to get one of these coaches to pair with Trent Baalke, and it's been the opposite. None of these guys want to work for Trent Baalke. 
but they refused to get rid of Trent Baalke. So let's go back to the report last week with Byron Lefwich. Byron Lefwich and Adrian Wilson. They put in a request uh, to chat with Adrian Wilson. This was last Wednesday, maybe. And the report that was out over the weekend was that Shad Khan wanted to sleep on it before flying Adrian Wilson to Jacksonville. And the Wilson uh, connection is through Leftwich. Leftwich wants to work with him as his next general manager. The place to get that done would be a place like Jacksonville. He doesn't want to work with Trent Baalke. Not many do. Vic Fangio probably would. Um, but going back to last week, ownership wanted to sleep on it. And when Shad Khan woke up on that Thursday, and I, I don't remember if it was a Wednesday or Thursday, he had a change of heart and he wanted to keep Trent Baalke. So Byron Levwich, Byron Levwich goes and talks with New Orleans. That's the timeline of how everything went down. The report in, in Arizona wasn't wrong. They did put in a request. They just never followed through on the interview because Shad Khan had a change of heart and he's keeping Trent Baalke. And that is what is stringing along all of this mess Gosh. with their coaching search. And also keep in mind that their coaching search has been going on a lot longer than all of the other organizations. They got rid of Urban Meyer and had an interim there for the final month and a half of the season. And they were allowed to talk. And they could formally talk to people for the last two weeks. weeks. And and they've been turned down left and right. McDaniels is one that just wouldn't even take the interview. You know, he's being very selective and, and it makes sense in Jacksonville. I'm just saying there are there are guys who just said thanks but no thanks. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was interviewed more than any coach throughout this process. He turned down an interview to meet with Jacksonville. How frustrating is it if you were a Jags fan right now, knowing all of this, and that and your, owner, Lawrence, your owner is beholden to but Chad, Trent Baalke? Not even people? that. Think about, think about Jags fans who see Joe Burrow in year number two yep. do what he's doing, and you've got Trevor Lawrence, and right now you don't have an ownership group that can look in the mirror and say, you know, Trent Baalke's not the guy because none of the coaches that are really good for Trevor Lawrence – Want to work with him, and let's take it a step further. You've got a you've got a surefire number one overall pick using Burrow as the example from the previous segment. Trevor Lawrence was that guy, surefire. He was, he was the number one pick a year before he was drafted. You don't have a coach that's willing to come to Jacksonville and coach him. That's how bad because the general manager in place is someone that no one wants to work that's with. That's how bad it is. Meanwhile, um, now New Orleans' job came open late. Uh, new names surfacing there, most recently Doug Peterson. So uh, Doug Peterson, to me, is a surprise that he hasn't had more Shocking juice to me. in this. Doug Peterson's downfall in Philadelphia was pretty clearly spelled out. He was overmanaged by Howie Roseman and by Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, they were calling him in on Tuesday meetings where they went over last Sunday's game and second-guessed every decision that was made and made him account for everything. Sounds like an absolutely hellish existence as a head coach for a guy that won a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, he won the Super Bowl at the end of the 2017 season. And here we are going into the 2022 season, and the guy's barely getting interviews. It, and it, it's not like he's 75 years old. No, It's very odd to me. That Doug Peterson, maybe he gets one of these jobs, but that he's not just a no-brainer, first call on your list interview. 
for every job that's available. And this was not a straightforward win. It's not like he had a team with a clear-cut number one quarterback. And I mean, this guy managed a difficult situation. He's not Barry Switzer taking over the Cowboys right. and winning a Super Bowl. I mean, this, this is the Eagles, a team that had never won the Super Bowl. And, who and he led them to a, a Super Bowl cut. with Nick Foles yeah. as backup quarterback. As the quarterback. It, it's odd to me that he's not already hired somewhere. Very strange. New so, Orleans, uh, and here's the thing about these jobs now. Now you've got three, now four guys hired. They begin to sweep up the staffs that are available yes. of these nine jobs, the best guys who are out there, not just to coordinate, but your quarterback coach, your DB's coach, all of these guys. You know, Some of them out there available are very good. And, and if, if you're the first guy hired and you have the ability to, to offer guarantee, you know, a three, four-year contract to these guys, well, I'm at the head of the line. The ninth guy has the least to choose from. That's a problem. We saw that with Mike Munchak here in Nashville, who was very late hire because Bud Adams took a long time to decide about Jeff Fisher and things went weird. If you're that staff, you're at a major disadvantage. Uh, speaking of Munchak, he may not be brought back. I don't know if they've announced that or Seriously? not. But there's a different uh, there's a different run scheme uh, that doesn't mesh well with whatever Munchak was doing and why he was brought in with Fangio. They're going to run a different type of run game um, with Nathaniel Hackett. Well, so he so he'll he will be a primo choice. Now there, they may they may but keep he'll be him. upset because his daughter is in Denver, and that's one of the reasons he chose to go there. Yeah, and I, I was reading that, and forgive me for not remembering where everything's meshing together with all these coaching information, but it wasn't decided. Uh, this was over the weekend. Maybe something's out today, and I've completely missed it. He also can run any run scheme. Might not be as favored, but I mean he knows everything. Yeah, and, that, and it's the same. It's the same report I saw. It's Mike Munchak likely on the way out in Denver, and the connections are he'll go back to Pittsburgh. Um, That's a good development with, with for Tomlin. Pittsburgh. Um, going back to the, some of the coaching searches, let's go to the Texans next. So Also, nothing, nothing's and, happening and there. I'll briefly talk on, on Houston, then I'm going to get to what's going on in Minnesota with Harbaugh. So they are conducting or have conducted second interviews with Josh McCown, with Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator of the Eagles, and now they have uh, scheduled an interview with Brian Flores. That's the recent. Well, uh, that would be number two. One of the three is qualified. So here's here's the rumor slash report out of Houston, and we'll have McLean on Wednesday to, or, or tomorrow, excuse me, uh, tomorrow at three twenty Central to uh, dive in on this topic. But there's a report out that the Texans didn't hire Josh McCown immediately because they wanted to allow him to interview somewhere else to validate the hire in Houston. And all and, they got was a conversation in Jacksonville. Yes. And so that, that is the report. This Josh McCown's their guy. They haven't pulled the trigger on it internally, and this is how messed up their management is, because they want, to valid, they want another team to validate him as a head coach potential hire, therein allowing them to sell it as, we weren't the only team that wanted him, we aren't, we're not the only organization who wants him as a first-time head coach. He's great for us. He was going to be great for someone else, but we got him. That's the sales pitch. But they haven't found that yet. So Jonathan Gannon has at least interviewed in other spots. So that, that's, that's the report out there. McCown's their guy. And they looked at him last they can't, year. Yeah, they did. But they can't, um, they can't 
get anyone else to formally interview. Was David Coley interviewed a bunch of places as a hot commodity to validate them hiring him? No, but at least he was a veteran coach in the league, right? This guy's literally done nothing. Coach high school. Well, just be the outside the box. I agree. Team then. Like, what do you need? Some outside validation that shows real faith in your go hire him. No, no, we need outside validation. I mean, Jack Easterby's pretty outside the box in his role with the team. Then go go all in on outside the box. I got a scenario for you, and I haven't seen this anywhere, but I'm comparing it based on what we have seen in precedent set. The Titans really liked Matt Lafleur. They hired Mike Vrabel and paired them together. Lafleur was his offense coordinator. Lafleur interviewed to be the head coach here. My bet is they're going to talk with Brian Flores and try to get him to hire uh, McCown to be the offensive coordinator. That's my guess. And Flores is a um, defensive guy, and he had anywhere. trouble. He had trouble with offensive coordinators. He hired multiple offensive coordinators. He had a rotating door, if I'm remembering correctly. And 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 they could offer the same thing to Jonathan Gannon, who's a defensive minded guy from Philly. I but I just get that feel that's good thinking. that they like the they like the offensive guy, but they're going with the guy that's more of a veteran or the guy who they feel is is going to be able to you know, Lead sell that. to everyone that we're on the right path. There's a big gap between Flores and Gannon. Finally, um, interesting uh, piece at outkick.com from Armando Salguero this morning where reports are that uh, the Vikings interviewed Jim Harbaugh on Saturday night in Minneapolis. Um, this ties back into the Miami Dolphins. Armando, who knows that franchise well. So the quote um, from Ross, the, the owner of the, the Dolphins, um, Jim Harbaugh, I love, this was, what, three, four weeks ago. Jim Harbaugh, I love Jim Harbaugh. He had the opportunity once before to come to Miami Dolphins, but he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. That is the school that I graduated from. I'm very involved in it. I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. That is from ownership in Miami. Now, he's interviewed now for the Vikings. He was rumored to be with the Raiders. He's interviewed for the Vikings. And Armando says that he's talked to somebody or people that, oh, he says multiple sources within the NFL and college ranks. They believe Harbaugh is either in cahoots with the Dolphins or just on his own that He's using the Vikings as an end around to get the Dolphins job, meaning that Ross, who has ties to Michigan, is not going to steal him away from Michigan. But steal him away but from the Vikings. But if he's going to the Vikings and he can trump that offer to get him back to the NFL as if he was going to leave anyway and, you know what, I wanted the Michigan guy here, that's how you get him to the Dolphins is you have him interview and nearly take the other job and you hire him away from Minnesota, not from Michigan. Vikings, That's the theory. Vikings hearing that have to lose interest in a hurry. That's in that. I mean, that's that's one way to get in and around to go He's work. He's going back to in the, the NFL, NFL anyway, so he might as well come to me. I, I with Jim Harbaugh. To me, the, the biggest question: if he goes, if he leaves Michigan and goes back to the NFL, has is he capable of evolution? Has he evolved enough from his first stint in the NFL? to where he can change a few things and be even more successful. Because I think the guy can coach. I think it's been, you know, personnel management, personality management at times for him. That's been an issue. But if he can do that, um, then he can be successful. And, and Ziggy Wilf is, is friends with Stephen Ross. So that's the other thing, oh, is that the Wilfs are doing, doing this it. as a courtesy oh. 
for Ross, who's in cahoots with Harbaugh, to make it look like he's out and going back to the league. It gives Ross and it gave out. it gives Ross a chance to step in and Ross, hire his guy. Ross said that by the way, like the day they fired Flores. Yeah, immediately. Have you guys seen where Joe Theismann? I just saw this uh, on Twitter. Joe Theismann accidentally revealed the name of the Washington football team, the mascot name, Admirals, in an interview with CBS Sports today. Admirals. And Admirals he later backtracked. He said it three different times and said they're really, and he even like went in line with why this nickname makes sense. And then the Washington Post said, so you know the nickname, even though it's being announced on Wednesday? And he said, oh, no, 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 I don't know. I'll find out with everyone else. And he says they haven't told me yet. You guys want to hear it now? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's hear it when we come back. Okay. I want to know this name. All right. If it's the president, don't I'm look at sick. don't look at Twitter not, right now. Pump up admirals. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you when we come back. It's admirals. And also, when we come back, we will discuss. Um, well, let's tie this in too, uh, just to end the Harbaugh discussion. We would know if he's staying officially if Michigan would step up and give Harbaugh the Auburn contract that they delivered oh. to Bruce Pearl over the weekend. But when we come back, we'll tell you uh, the delivery of the name <laughs> through. Uh, <laughs> oh. It, I'm going I'm going to deliver. <laughs> Joe Theismann uh accidentally putting the name out there in typical Theismann fashion. It's it's right before he, he makes it. the rounds on Radio Row. He said it four times. Okay. Like it wasn't just okay. one slip. He like even goes into explaining Good. the name and the origin of the name and then later doing? when asked he said, "Oh no, I I really don't know anything." That's next on Outkick 360. Doug Peterson's having a second interview with Jacksonville. I uh, should mention that Matt Eberflus, the new head coach in Chicago, um, he's on board with Justin Fields. That's the report at the press conference. Of course he is. He's their franchise quarterback from last year's draft. They're hiring a coach that will say that at a press conference <laughs> in his first meeting. Also, um, Brian Dayball, uh, new head coach of the Giants, also says some nice things about Daniel Jones. So... There's the latest with the head coaching movement. Again, Doug Peterson interviewing in Jacksonville. Outkick 360 rolls on. Real quick local note with that Brian Dayball leaving means there's an offensive coordinator vacancy in Buffalo. Former Vol quarterback T. Martin being interviewed for offensive coordinator with the Bills. Uh, one to keep a, an eye on. Jim Schwartz, analyst, uh, defensive guy for the, the Titans. Uh, what's his official title? Senior, Senior advisor? defensive assistant? Yeah. Uh, he's interviewing for the defensive coordinator position in Indy. Um, Chad. Are you guys ready? Yes. Who's going to be interviewing with the Washington presidents? The name <laughs> that was slipped by Joe Theismann on an interview with Damon Amendolara hey, on so CBS Sports Radio I, today is... I haven't seen this. So a couple weeks ago, I said admirals. Um, I've also seen commanders... Uh, recently, I don't know if that had any validity to the to the story, but Paul, do you? I, I think Admiral. I, I'm rooting for Admiral. Okay. See, I was rooting for Red Hogs. Was my right, favorite right. Of, of the names to stick with the red theme. Can you imagine if you said that four times and didn't realize it? Red Hogs. Yeah. <laughs> could, could could lead to a problem. The new name, according to Joe Theismann, if you believe this was a, an honest slip up where he knows, okay, is the Washington Commanders. Paul, you were, uh, you, you're not going to get your admirals. So here's the exact quote, again, from uh, an interview with Damon Amendolara on CBS Sports Radio. I think the Commanders is a name that's going to be one that hopefully people like going forward. There were so many different options, but once again, it's trademark infringement with some of them. And he goes on to say, a lot of Commanders in Washington, D.C. and the Pentagon, and a lot of different branches of the service. 
So to me, that's the way I'm looking at it, as positions of leadership when it comes to the new name. Now, the Washington Post contacted Joe Theismann. Who is deep throat. <laughs> and he, he got a text back. He's also going to reveal the Brady retirement source after this. Uh, that's going to be the next big big story. This from Matthew Paris. Paras. P-A-R-A-S. However you pronounce it. Just got this text from Joe Theismann. Quote, not completely sure what the new name is. No one has told me. Like you, I'll find out on Wednesday with the big announcement. I'm going to read between the lines here. It's the Washington Commander. Well, so also when he said this, apparently there's a report that the Washington Commander's uh, URL has been purchased by a security company that controls it from hackers that protects it from hackers. Well, that was the same thing with the admirals too, and that's why everyone picked up on the admirals, and and then all of a sudden that website, which was it didn't it wasn't dormant, it actually linked to the team site. Um, they took that down, and it sounds like there was a new URL that people picked up on. I don't know. Did, are there people that just sit around and search these URLs every day to see if they've been activated? I, I, think I so. bet. I mean, there's probably some you know Washington football team fan sites. Now they announced that this someone's on there every day. Searching. Wednesday, right on on Groundhog Day. They're going to announce Wednesday. And are they all, are they announcing new uniforms as well? They are charging people ten dollars. To get in the stadium for the uniform announcement. <laughs> and I'm thinking... He will charge My, my cousin lives wow. in D.C. and he was telling me that. I'm thinking, just let people go. If they want to go and watch the, the uniform, the fashion show with the new uniform, let them go for free. Have a but big it, crowd But it is a there. new uniform. I know it's the same color scheme. Oh, they're going to have, uh, I think, logo, uniform unveiling, everything all at once on Wednesday at an event at the stadium. I mean, it'll be a big deal to their fan base, which is large, hey, but you, I don't feel the same. Let me say this. You could do a lot worse than Washington Commanders. Oh, yes. That's not bad. There, there were some bad names That's there. fine. Washington presidents just does not get it done for the NFL. I like to swing for the fences. You're either going to absolutely Doesn't love it or hate right. it, like the Red Hogs. Well, Livo, that's one you're either all in on or it's the dumbest thing in the world. Well, I, I think it does it sound like a pro football team. Washington presidents doesn't sound no, like a pro football Washington team. Washington Commanders, Commanders sounds like a pro sports team. Not terrible. Admirals would have been better. Reed Reed was going for. Um, I think Reed was on board with Red Hogs. Uh, no, negative, <laughs> negatory. That Washington Commander sounds like something that would be in the next Hollywood movie about professional football. Yeah, this is an any that's any true. given Sunday name. Keanu Reeves like. would quarterback your the vote? Washington that's the, Commanders. That's the Sentinels. I would rather it be the Sentinels. Sentinels. I would rather it be the Sentinels. What was your? I vote? was no. I would rather have Admirals. Yeah. The Admirals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Pratt will quarterback Correct. the Washington Commanders. <laughs> Correct. That's David. more of Correct. an actor of today that could play. What was your trip to Louisville to see Duke and the Cardinals? It was good. I am a big fan of Louisville, maybe more so than a lot of people out there. It's I've always bad. enjoyed my visits in, in Louisville. Um, had a nice dinner at Porcini. Uh, those who know, know. Get the tour. They know the store. The Joey Freshwater they, tour. They know the story. I did not get the. Uh, I did not get the. Uh, uh, that's a good Joey Freshwater tie in there, mm-hmm. but did not get that tour. But it's a, a terrific restaurant. A uh, great game, great atmosphere between Duke and Louisville. It was got to take that. It was a good in. game. Um, there was a parent of a Louisville player sitting in front of me who was hilarious to sit behind the entire game. And when they started mixing it up, and they had a couple near fights, would stand up and get into it as well. She said, "This is the best atmosphere of the year by far." that it was nearly packed at the arena. And uh, I got to witness the first game without Chris Mack as Louisville's <laughs> head coach and one of the last games 
for Coach K. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Had a great time. I didn't like the uniforms for Duke, but... Here's what I like about the uniform. We had a long discussion about this at the game. I like the, the old school D in the Duke. That's the actual uh, university logo with it. Not a fan of the navy blue right. as much with Too it. Dark. But I do like that logo. Coming up tomorrow, all the headlines across the NFL, we will also tell you why Canada feels the United States is scared of them. And Load of crap. Based on results. I've got the numbers right here. We, Load we, of crap. We get into that tomorrow. Uh, plus, John McClain joins the show. Hope you'll join us for Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do block the lock.